0: Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives.
1: I am Adam Erickson, writer at the Raven Review and pastor in the United Church of Christ.
0: And I am Lindsay Paris Lopez, writer for the Raven Review, aspiring peacemaker and aspiring follower of Jesus.
1: This is episode 28 for the sixth Sunday of Easter in which we discuss John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21.
0: In Jesus Unmasked, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses which obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love.
1: In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love.
0: We explore scripture through the new revised standard version of the Bible and use the common lectionary. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Adam.
1: How are you?
0: Doing well. Happy Easter. It's still, <laughs> <Easter.
1: laughs> it <is> still Easter. It's still Easter. Lent goes for 40 days, but Easter just has to one-up it with 10 more days. Mm-hmm. So we're like in, I don't know what day we are in Easter, somewhere. We are. <laughs> Yes. Oh, wait. We only have one more week. Next week is the seventh Sunday of Easter, and then it's Pentecost. We're almost done with Easter.
0: And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. But I think the Holy Spirit is making an early appearance in our reading today because that's what we're talking about.
1: So The Holy Spirit is going to do whatever she wants to do. Did yep. you like that? Did you like that I, drop of the pronoun right there?
0: Yes, the Holy Spirit. She she goes where she will. She is feminine. She is yeah. <laughs> I I was about to say girl power and somehow that sounded wrong because she's not a girl. She's a grown woman or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> you go girl. So let's you go girl. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get to it what what are we doing here i i'm lost we're, we're on john fourteen fifteen through 21
0: yes go ahead please. okay
1: jesus says if you love me you will keep my commandments and i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever this is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him And those who love me will be loved by my father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. So we started off talking about uh, girl power and the (laughs) Holy Spirit, and then Jesus just drops the Holy Spirit, the, the advocate or the paraclete, and uses the pronoun him for it. Jesus is just totally cramping on my feminine girl power with the Holy Spirit there. How do we know that Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit? Calls it the advocate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the advocate, and the Greek is paraclete or parakletos. Is that how it's pronounced in the Greek? So that is literally the advocate or defense attorney. It is the one who speaks on behalf of the victims and on behalf of the accused.
1: Which is a really interesting move for Jesus to make by talking about God and the Holy Spirit as the defender of the accused. Because generally when people think of God. They think of God as the one who stands in judgment, as the one who is the judge. God is the one who gets to say who is innocent and who is guilty. But here Jesus is transforming our understanding of God because it's not as if the Father and the Holy Spirit are fundamentally different. It's not as if the Father is the judge and the Holy Spirit or the paraclete is the one who's like standing with people who are being accused and defending them, and the Holy Spirit is trying to get the Father on their side. That would be a total misunderstanding of God in this. It would be as if the Father isn't already convinced of what the Holy Spirit already knows to be true. Mm -hmm. What Jesus is doing here is transforming our understanding of God in order to say, if you have seen Jesus you know what the Father is like. If you have seen Jesus, you know what the Holy Spirit is like. And if you know the paraclete or the Holy Spirit, you know what the Father is like and what Jesus is like. God, in the Christian understanding, according to Jesus, is the one who stands with the victims of human culture and stands like their defense attorney. Right. God is not the accuser. God is not the judge who's making accusations against people. God is the one who stands with the victims.
0: Yes. God is the one who stands with the victims. And I think that if we think of heaven as this celestial courtroom, which is where the metaphor seems like it's going, I don't like that idea at all. So um, I want to just, I just want to drop it. I want to drop this idea that judgment is this harsh thing that is going to fall on us before we are punished for all the wrong things we have done. I do believe that God is the judge, but I think that the judgment is love, that the judgment is wisdom, that what is pronounced from God that we deserve and will receive forever is love and mercy and forgiveness and not any kind of retribution or condemnation.
1: Yes. And uh, to go along with that, if God is the judge and in Christian tradition, you see that Jesus sits on the throne of his glory as the judge And where is his throne? When is Jesus high and lifted up, sitting on the throne of his glory?
0: Yeah, that would be the cross.
1: (laughs) Yes, and what is, going along with what you just said, what is the judgment that Jesus gives from the cross?
0: The judgment that Jesus gives from the cross is mercy and love upon all who have just judged Him and condemned him and killed him.
1: Yes. The judgment is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The judgment is love and forgiveness. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. So if there is a court of negative judgment, that would be the world itself. We are all treading through this world that was made good, but... (laughs) But we have been so blind to the truth. We humans have confused violence for righteousness and mistaken the power that orders the universe. That power, which is love, we've mistaken it for violence for so long that the judgment that we face is the judgment that we give each other. And Jesus is undoing all of that. And if we saw God as the ultimate judge whose punishment is swift and just and righteous, that has been our own human projection. And we've gotten it all so backwards for so long. So when Jesus talks about what the world cannot see and what the disciples know but the world doesn't, he's talking about this confusion that the world has had for so long that has conflated God with violence and conflated judgment with punishment and condemnation. I think judgment can also be translated as wisdom. And wisdom, by the way, is Sophia, which is feminine, and the Holy Spirit uh, is feminine. So that brings us back a little bit. I'm not really sure why Jesus is dropping masculine pronouns. Until I know more, I'm going to accuse the translator, and that makes me an <laughs> accuser. And and I am exercising negative judgment and need the Holy Spirit
1: I think the paracletos is generally probably going to be a man in the ancient world. And so Jesus is just going along with the lawyer for the defense being a man and using that metaphor and stuff. But the whole point, obviously, Mm -hmm. is that God includes all the genders and transcends all all of our genders, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all made in the image of God. So there's male and female. All the genders are created in the image of God but uh, God also transcends all of them. So to talk about the Holy Spirit or God in feminine and masculine ways is go for it. Uh,
0: Poor Jesus is confined to the patriarchal culture and language of his time. So he does everything he can within those boundaries to subvert them. And if we think of harshness and toughness, as masculine virtues, suddenly Jesus is coming along and saying, this is the defense attorney, the one who forgives, the one who speaks up for the victims. So that's expanding our understanding of masculinity, and Mm -hmm.
1: that's awesome. Yeah. Jesus says something interesting here throughout. He says, if you keep my commandments... He doesn't say if, if you keep the commandments, mm-hmm. right? So he's making it very particular. I wonder which commandments Jesus is referring to there. I mean, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says twice. I think it's in John 13 and later when Jesus is talking, doing the what we generally call the Last Supper. And he says, I give you in John 13, a new commandment that you love one another. And then later, the commandment is to participate in communion, uh, the meal. Mm -hmm. Do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. So it seems like Jesus throughout the Gospels here in Matthew or here in John and in Matthew, when he says the two greatest commandments are to love God and love your neighbor. It seems like Jesus is always like bringing the command. It's a very Jewish thing to do as well, because first century rabbis were always asked, what's the point of all of this? And so Jesus in that tradition is trying to focus his disciples on what truly matters in this world. How do you participate in the life of God? It's exactly what you've been saying this whole time, to live a life of radical love, forgiveness for one another. And it's what Jesus says throughout the Gospel of John as well.
0: Yes, these words come during the not really Last Supper, the, the Last Supper before the crucifixion. But as we have discussed, there are suppers afterward, and there's, there's life on the other side of death, which is what Jesus gives us. He gives us sight beyond the barriers of fear, and he opens our eyes to what lies beyond our limits. So when he says, my commandments... Yeah, he is talking about the new commandment he gives, which is to love one another even as I have loved you. So Jesus has commanded his disciples to love one another even as he loves them. And in doing so, he is broadening their understanding and definition of love. Because until then, the greatest commandment had been, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is going beyond that because Jesus loves us more than we love ourselves because in our self love, there are traces of self doubt and self condemnation. I honestly want to love my husband and my children better than I love myself because I tend to be hardest on myself. But I think Jesus wants me to love myself more than I actually do as well. I mean, to love as Jesus loves should apply universally, including to yourself. Jesus is just expanding what love is altogether.
1: It's also difficult because it's, you know, all those voices in our head are not just our own self-doubts. It's like the doubts that have been given to us by culture, which is in Jesus's time and in our time, it's always a culture that says you are not enough. Especially in our capitalist culture, you're not enough unless you can afford to buy certain things and fill yourself up. Your prestige and your glory is by how much money you can get and how much you can produce in this world. And Jesus is saying, that's all a lie. Because you are just valuable and loved for who you are. So Jesus here is trying to transform human culture away from something that you have to earn being loved in order to be enough into a culture that just says you are loved for who you are. And that's what the realm of God is always coming to us with this spirit of love and compassion that you don't have to earn. It's just always given to you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Jesus says, love as I love. And yes, that's hard. But the more we exercise it, the more we love ourselves and others as unconditionally, the more the conditions just slip away. And we recognize that we don't need all these things that we might tell ourselves that we need in order to be worthy. The more we love as Jesus loved, the more possible it is to love as Jesus loves. And I think the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is, I think that's just kind of the perfect way of showing how that love is given and spreads throughout the world. When Jesus dies on the cross, he says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And what he's doing is saying, I'm giving the source of my life up to love. And when he pours out the Holy Spirit on us, he's pouring all of his love, all of his life force into us and empowering us to pour our lives into each other. So we don't live to build ourselves up at anyone else's expense because in order to be worthy, we have to be successful or rich or beautiful we live so that we're giving our life force to others and that's how it comes back to us all as this never-ending cycle of love
1: amen to that so friends uh that's it for today i'm lindsay and i'm adam
0: and that's all from jesus unmasked jesus unmasked is produced by the raven foundation where we talk about faith and mimetic theory special thanks to to our editor, Rhea Dickerson. You can check out Rhea's work at depthofechoes.com. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.